Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. You. And Pastor Todd. Good morning. And it's good to be back with you. We didn't record last week. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Shout out to Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we were not here, um, but so we're excited to be back and to record. And um, each of you guys, you guys each um, preached last night in different church settings. Um, How'd it go, Pastor Jamal? So you were in Millville with Pastor John Dingle? Yeah, so we went to uh, uh, Millville Assembly of God down in Millville, New Jersey, and uh, got an opportunity to speak at their um, Sunday uh, their Sunday night service. Uh, pastor John Dingle is my predecessor, was the youth pastor here for about eight or nine years, uh, and then I came on after him, and uh, we just maintained a relationship, which is super dope and um uh had the opportunity to go down and speak uh, and share they are in a they in a kind of like in a sense of hey you know what we want to pursue god we want to just chase after him with with everything that we have and so they brought me in as a guest speaker and so that was cool i got an opportunity to share there and uh yeah it was awesome so nice okay cool pastor todd you shared last night for our evening service yeah Um, yeah yeah, I talked about rest uh, last night, and I shared a little bit about my experiences within the last couple of months trying to find rest. And and uh, if you weren't there last night, you missed me talking about mashed potatoes, so you really missed a good one. <laughs> now, the best part was you said KFC, and you go, you go, oh, Stephanie hates this, and she just like shudders. She's like, oh, like that <laughs> before he even starts. He just goes, oh, Steph doesn't really like this. <laughs> I'm like, what's he gonna say? And it was like KFC mashed potato. Yeah. So if you weren't there last night, Steph does not like her food mixed. And there's something about Kentucky Fried Chicken's mashed potato bowls where they mix in the corn and the chicken that I find like so and comforting cheese, right? and cheese That's and gravy. Such a weird combination. Oh no, it's not, man. No, it's <laughs> not. And and when when I talk about her or when I when uh, Steph knows that I've had that, she's it always makes her like queasy <laughs> so i was joking last night she actually i uh, shouldn't say she actually has somebody gave her it was it was a joke um but like these silicone dividers that go on her plate to keep her food from touching oh and she's used them a couple times just for the sake of using them but um i actually didn't she, know that they made those That's yeah they're like u-shaped and they almost have like a suction cuppy bottom so you, so like the liquid doesn't Wow! Like go, so oh, they put gravy on they thought of it. Thought, yeah, someone thought about. They that. thought this level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her I I can relate because I do eat my foods in sections. It's not like a rule. I just I don't know. Like one time somebody pointed that out to me, and I didn't realize I did it. Like I eat I eat all my mashed potatoes. Then I'll eat all of the broccoli. Then I'll eat like whatever. Like <laughs> I I guess I just eat that way too. It's like OCD thing. I don't know. Yeah, and she always eats the food that she doesn't like first yeah yeah i don't do that so the next time you're at a church function and you're seeing stuff eating dang yo you're telling me <laughs> oh, <laughs> now you're telling. here we go now you're telling you'll know what she likes and doesn't like you by grab the my oh, cookies first wow oh my you, god you're telling now <laughs> you hate them so, well but i just eat everything so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh boy All right, cool. So um, Pastor Jeff has been talking about what we value as a church, and week one was how we value missions, global missions. And then weeks two and three were that we value the local church and we value people. And it was a logical flow that we value missions, and that's God's heart. His number one priority is the ultimate mission is to make disciples and to know Jesus. And then in week two, he said how the local church is God's vehicle to carry out that mission and then because we value the local church, we value people. Who is the local church? It's people. And so being that we didn't uh, meet last week, I figured, we, you know, we can just talk about both the weeks and we'll kind of see where we go with it. But so for week two, when he said, we value the local church, I loved the message. I loved the sermon. Um, like we said, he said that that's God's vehicle to carry out his mission, which is to make disciples and to have people know Jesus. So it's interesting. Um, he started out by saying that the Greek word for church is ecclesia, which you guys maybe have heard that before or have seen that before if you've preached or looked at that kind of stuff. But ecclesia, it means a calling from out to, a calling from out to. And I think that verse in First Peter <clears throat> says that he's called us out from darkness into his marvelous light. Mm-hmm. And he said that's 
um, what the church is. And so Jesus has called people out of this world into his fellowship. And so I was thinking, and I was actually having a conversation with somebody yesterday after church about something else, but we were talking about holiness. And I thought like, this is kind of describing in a way what holiness. So what is holiness? What does that mean? And what should our motivation for holiness be, I guess, as we're talking about the church is called out from to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. As far as motivation, the thing that pops in my head is like love. You know, like Jesus laid down his life for us. And so the pursuit of holiness is we're more motivated by this is what he's done for me and I love him. So this is this is how I'm going to respond to that love is to set myself apart from the things that are distracting to me from God or that just that um, maybe capture my heart in a way that is only supposed to be captured by Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when you, when you just mentioned motivation, that's what comes to my mind is, is that, um, somebody else has thoughts. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no. So I, I, uh, I think from what I understand about holiness, holiness is the idea of being set apart for a purpose. So you're being, uh, called out or set apart for a specific reason. And so, Understanding that idea of holiness in the church, the church in and of itself is holy. It is set apart for a purpose. And the motivation, like what you're saying, Pastor Todd, is love. It's love for uh, God and it's love for his mission. And so if, in fact, God's heart is that uh, to seek and to save the lost, the church is set apart. It is described as holy for the reason to partner with God in the mission of seeking and saving that which was lost. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Holiness set apart. And and then, so that becomes our mission, right? And the love that God had for us is our motivation for holiness. And um, so thinking about being set apart, you know, and Jesus has called us out from the world. What does that look like to be set apart from the world today? Holiness today. Well, this is the part of, I think sometimes of church that people get, this is the part where it gets, yeah, it gets tense, right? Yeah. Like it gets tense. You get opinions and it can get, it can get dicey. It can get a little dicey here, but I mean, in reality, ah, I, I, I guess you just gotta say it. You just gotta say it. In reality, if God is the one who set forth the mission and has chosen the church to be that vehicle, he gets to set the rules and the parameters of what it means to be holy. Mm. He gets to set the rules and the parameters of what that looks like. And he makes it clear what it means to be holy in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different situations situations and circumstances throughout scripture. What it means to be holy with your finances, what it means to be holy with your sexuality, what it means to be holy uh, as you know, a family, what it means to be holy um, as a body of believers. And so with that being said, and this is some of the tension because I think sometimes American culture, the idea that I want to do what I want to do um, sometimes can creep into how we filter church, but that you, we can't allow that to be the case. Yeah. You know, God has set the standard. This is what I am expecting of you. And and it's so funny, like sometimes when people have that realization, they're like, wait, my ideas of holiness don't line up with God's ideas of holiness. <laughs> like, it's like, no, <laughs> like oftentimes it doesn't. Like oftentimes, sometimes your idea of what it means to be set apart is coming from a part of you that's like, oh, I think I would do it this way. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like, well, God has already stated this is the way to do it. And either you come alongside that or you don't, you know, <laughs> like I know right. they hate the, I mean, I, I know that sounds very direct, but that is what it is. Like he set the standard, he sets the parameters. It's our job then to come alongside those standards of holiness and live that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, Maybe to get an idea of those things that God stands sets as standards for holiness is by looking at Jesus and what he did. You know, because God is holy, Jesus is holy. And so if we want to see what that looks like lived out, 
Mm-hmm. I think it's looking at the way that Jesus conducted his life as the example for us. And so, um, like sometimes it can be really vague when we talk about it, but I think Jesus made it concrete in the way that he lived. So I think if you look at him and you read through his life, what he said, what he did, how he treated people, that gives us a really kind of concrete image of what holiness looks like lived out. Mm. Yeah. I think it's great. I think of, um, yeah, like you're saying, pastor Jamal, that sometimes because of different opinions or, we can try to define what holiness is. I had a professor in school. He would say it this way, and he always knew you had who was in his class because he's this is the only place I ever heard this word. But he said that there are sins and there are scruples. I don't know if you ever heard that. Like mm-hmm. okay, so he like morals. Yeah. yeah, morals. So basically, you know, it's a sin, whatever. You know, to to lie. That's a sin. That's in the Bible. We know you, you really shouldn't lie. Uh, scruple is something that's maybe not necessarily a sin, but you know, for you on a personal level would be wrong. And so a lot of times he would say like, we get in trouble when we make a personal scruple, um, a sin for somebody Mm -hmm. else. Uh, but, but we know he, he said like, it's legitimate, you know, in and of yourself, if you did this, it'd be wrong for you. And like, that's because it's, it's holiness. If God is calling you to, to holiness, you know, you need to stop doing this or don't act this way, don't say this, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I always thought that helped. That was helpful for me. And I think that's when we can get in trouble. This is what we were saying yesterday. I was in conversation with some people. And like, I think we get in trouble when we try to mandate holiness or like mandate our particular personal um, standards of holiness, that they're they're good to have them and it's good to teach them. But when we try to mandate it, sometimes it can get in trouble. So it's looking at the Bible and looking at the life of Jesus, I think what you were saying, Pastor Todd, was great, you know. And actually what kind of comes to my mind about that too is is because our hearts are uh, weak in different areas as, as believers. Like mm. for some people they can do like, uh, I know like years ago going to the theater was considered like, if you go to watch a movie, man, you are in sin. Yeah. I was going to bring that up actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and for some people, maybe when they go, maybe it's what movie they're watching, whatever, maybe it affects their heart in a way that somebody else can go and sit there and not be moved by it. So I think mm-hmm. to say, well, this is a, an area that's weak for me. And so therefore everybody has to follow along that lines, maybe is part of that sc- scrupulosity (laughs) you know that like here's the issues i have that god has spoken to me about about where my heart lies but i can't just assume that everybody else's heart is weak in those same areas as mine you know Mm -hmm. and so in like keeping with that right the tension falls i think where when we see in scripture the whole idea of meat sacrifice to idols and paul's like hey you know what i don't really think that this is an issue but then on this in the, kind of that same discourse, he's like, well, you know what, though? Serve the weaker brother. If the weaker brother is struggling in this area, you know, you serve the weaker brother and say, well, I will abstain from this mm-hmm. for the sake that you can grow in your knowledge of this uh, and understand that this isn't really a thing. But I think everybody is on a different part of that tension and that journey when it comes to certain things. And so like what you were saying, Pastor Matt, like, uh, you know, like it's not right to mandate this of, of people. Um, and I think too, like just again, America, American culture, you know, freedom, like that's what the thing, mm-hmm. that's the kind of the yeah. thing we all press yeah. for, right? Like I want to be free. Right. Um, so the tension is a little bit too, like Paul is offering an idea that's like, well, why don't you consider putting down your freedom for the sake of your weaker brother, mm. which is now like, now the tension is, it's next are level. you, yeah, and it's next level because it's like, are you a slave to your freedom? Are you a slave? Are you making an idol of your freedoms that you can't say, you know what, I'm going to abstain from this so that my brother can grow, you know, like this. I, I, and I, I, I think that's the next level. That, I, I, I think, mean, like that is, I don't want to get too crazy about it, but like, I feel like you, you can, that's some of that tension there. But like what you're also saying, what you're also saying is Okay, Paul also goes so far in Galatians to talk about, all right, who has bewitched you guys and made you believe that you now need this standard in order to find salvation? Yeah. Right? 
Okay, well, let, me, let me chill, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna keep it chill, I'm gonna keep it chill. I think sometimes we take that example mm-hmm. that is actually about salvation and try to apply it to the tension of sanctification. Oh man. Right? There and I, go. you know what I mean? And yeah, I think yeah. that, so people will try to use that argument that Paul is saying here in Galatians, like, hey, you know what? You don't need these things to be saved and don't let nobody tell you any different, which is true. Like salvation is by faith in Christ alone, period. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's what it is. Right. But I think sometimes because we don't always, I say we always, I'm just being honest. I don't think we always take into context everything that's being said in a passage of scripture or in a letter. Right. And so sometimes we'll say, oh, well, this rule applies over here when it may not. It may not apply there because this is a completely different subject. So I think what we find sometimes is that battle between people taking this mandate um, of, you know, uh, to be holy um, and applying the uh, issue of salvation and its tensions there to this issue of sanctification. Now, I'm not saying, here's what I'm not saying, because I want to be very clear. I want mm-hmm. people to walk away and be like, well, Pastor Jamal says I get to tell everybody, like, this is what you need to do with your oh, life. Yeah. This is, the, you know, the level of sanctification. I, You know, I am I have learned that um, me trying to play the role of the Holy Spirit doesn't always go too well. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Trying to be the Holy right. Spirit and bring conviction on other people. Like, Pastor Todd, don't you feel bad about wearing plaid shirts? Like, I feel like... Well, I think... And I think that's what I meant by when we try to mandate Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm, I can't pretend to be the Holy Spirit right. for somebody else. Right, and I agree with you. I think, though, sometimes people say, well, I can do this because... This is this here. Yeah, right. And I'm like, well, you can't apply something that Paul is specifically specifically uh, talking about in terms of salvation to sanctification. Right. I don't think that they always translate over. And we just need to be careful, I think, about mm-hmm. some of those things. So can I throw out like an honest question here? Oh, would no, you, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so w- would you consider that like not doing it for the sake of your weaker brother an issue of holiness? Or would you consider that more of an issue of... of um, Listen, I'm 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 not going to do those things because as a strong believer and I'm called to love others, this is a way for me to love them. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like does not doing that for the sake of my brother fall into the category of holiness or is there a different category for that or do you think in that case it really is Well, I think it's holiness lived out to the next degree because there's the personal level of holiness, right? Like, and God, that's the church. God's calling me out from this. So I'm going to live differently now, holy. But then there's, now I'm in a community of believers, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want my brother to stumble. I want to love them. I'm going to use my freedom, even though I could do this, I'm not going to, or even though what, you know, whatever the case may be, because, um, it's, it's holiness lived out in our community. And actually that's, that's what I mean by I keep saying like the next level. Like, like I think it's one thing to make holiness personal, and that's you know a decision that's a daily decision. It's hard. It can be tough. I think it's another level to start beginning to say, even though I could do these things, even though I could watch this or drink this or whatever, say this, I'm not going to, and people aren't going to notice. I don't. I don't get any points with other people when I don't do things. People just think, oh, you don't do that? Mm-hmm. What are you, a loser? What are you, lame? <laughs> like, well, I'm actually doing it because uh, I'm part of a community of faith mm-hmm. that I'm, that we're all trying to inspire each other to live to holiness. Yeah, it's bigger than you. It's bigger so, than me. Ooh. All right, so <laughs> it's, it. it's the idea of like there's, there's personal holiness in how I live, but then when I come together with a group of believers, like there's a sense of holiness as a community that sometimes involves um, what we do and what we don't do for the sake of others. Is that is that kind of like what we're saying? Like, like there's personal and then there's community-wide holiness. Yeah, that we yeah. do for the sake of others. And I think, though, and again, I, all of it, tension to be managed. Like, in that space, you don't want it to become you got to be careful. It's all about the heart. Cause like you can easily turn it into, Oh, look how holy I am that I serve my weaker brother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's pretentious and arrogant, you know, um, just dumb. And, and then also not allowing it to become, uh, a weight that 
all right, of a like sudden man-made rules yeah like man-made rules and you all of a sudden you're like oh no uh i i can't do this because you know i have to serve the week my weaker brother like there there's a i believe that there's a healthy tension there that if we allow it to sit in its fullness of the weight that it that it is um can allow for some growth and some grace that you never thought uh you could ex- you never thought you know possible uh, before so yeah i think um so much of even what we're saying here you know pastor jeff talked about in the sermon right like <clears throat> where he, jesus talks about they honor me with their lips or their hearts are far from me he says that's like spiritual aerobics we can feel good that we're doing things that we're mm-hmm. quote being holy yeah, I'm part of the church. Look at me, I'm special. But but Jesus would say, no, that's spiritual aerobics, or that's that's what Pastor Jeff would say. And um, you know, he brought up, I think, the verse in Hebrews chapter 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so like you said, Pastor Jamal, it's a tension to be managed. So it's like, I need to live to holiness. Um, and let's let's be a community where we encourage each other in holiness, um, but not view it as a place to um, puff myself up right. either. So it's right. it's like a line to walk. Yep. Um, well, that's great. And so that's what the church is, and that's the vehicle that God uses for his mission. Um you know, he said the church was never meant to be, Pastor Jeff said, the church was never meant to be a social club, a business, a museum. He quoted Jermel Mayo, who said the church isn't a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And I think I think a lot of those pictures are really good. I, I almost want to spend time on each one and be like, so why? <laughs> but, but we don't, I don't know. <laughs> but so I, maybe instead of necessarily doing that, but why Why do you think um, we can drift this way if like the the local church is God's vehicle. It's his mission. Why can we sometimes end up just being a social club all of a sudden? Like you don't mean to do it necessarily. It just happens or a business or a museum, a cruise ship, any of these things. Why does that happen? How do we drift from that purpose and how can we maybe prevent that? Well, so this is, again, I, I can, tension is probably going to be the the word that word of the day, sp- you know, the word of the day here. But um, if your life has always felt like a battle, church can sometimes feel like an escape from that battle. Mm -hmm. So the idea of it being a battleship and it's being another battle, you can feel like, man, I just, I'm just tired. I just want to come and be in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I just want to come and fellowship with other believers and not have to think about my bills that are sitting on my kitchen table or, you know, like whether, whether or not I have food in my refrigerator to feed my kids, you know? So if, if life has been a source of contention, you some people look to church to be a social club, to be a museum where they can come and see the beautiful things of life and be reminded that everything that they are battling isn't the end all be all. So I think that's, that's some of what some people feel when it comes to church and part of the reason why some people may drift in that direction. They like, I just want to come. I just want to sit. I don't want to be, Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm required to do anything because this week has been full of requirements. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting that you say that too. Um, I just want to think about what I want to say here. Uh, so, you know, I, I worked for Starbucks for a number of years as a barista there and their training uh, was really interesting. Their philosophy is like incredible. Um, I guess I'll just say that for now. But so what they, they describe Starbucks as the third place they call it. So people have home and people have work and then, everybody needs a third place. And so Starbucks wanted to be that third place where you're not thinking about your responsibilities. It's not work. It's not your work employees. Mm-hmm. It's not home. And so that dri- that's their philosophy that drives why they ask your name, why they want to remember your drink order and stuff, because they think they, they understand the human connection. It's actually really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, you know, so I'm like learning this and I'm thinking to myself like, well, this makes so much sense because, and even like uh, on that psychological or philosophical personal level, that is what, in a lot of ways, what the church is supposed to be, is that third place um, of connection. And and sometimes, like you said, I guess can be that place of escape. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes that can push us right. maybe a little too far thinking that right. that's what church is supposed to do for me. Right. And that's and I think that that's why, I think, I don't know, me personally, I think that is why 
Pastor Jeff's series about what we value is important because it allows for a recalibration of sorts to say, hey, listen, you know what? Jesus for sure says, come and bring your burdens unto me and I will give you rest. That is mm-hmm. for sure a thing that Jesus says. What he also says is that now that we have come into relationship with him, we are part of something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, and being part of that something greater is to be on mission and to be seeking out other people who can come and also lay their burdens at the foot of the cross yeah. uh, and and experience the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think for myself, I'm thinking about it, like last night I used the the phrase spiritual amnesiac. Yeah. Like I think sometimes when we're coming together and when that community and we're enjoying relationships, it's easy for us to forget that we've come here and even our daily lives are lived out before God. And so, <clears throat> um, and so it's easy when we come together and we're having those, those moments of connection to forget that it's connection for a purpose, <laughs> you know, to, to glorify God, to be living our lives out before God. And we get caught up in the idea of, Hey, I'm here. I'm having a good time. I enjoyed the friends I have at church. I can't wait to see them again. And I think it's just, it's, it's, it's the nature of the human heart that we tend to lose focus on the spiritual realm that is real and that we are living out before God. Mm. You know? Well, you know, and Pastor Jeff, that makes me again think of some of what he said. So his points, so let, let's, for a sermon for a second. So what he, he read from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47, where the early church is meeting together. And his four points um, is that the church is to be an agency of God for evangelizing the world, to be a corporate body in which people may worship God, to be a channel of God's purpose, to build a body of saints being perfected in the image of his son, and to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion for all the world. And so in his point, talking about how the church is to worship God, uh, he talked about how like... um, you know, like a private devotional life. He's, he said for him, he's like, that's, I do that during the week. That's a warm up for, um, corporate church, like corporate worship. Like that's just a warm up. all we getting to there? But so maybe what you said triggered that thought. I'm, I'm trying to connect, like say it, um, how that connected to me, but basically like the idea of, I guess if church is only functioning as your escape, you go there on Sundays and God, I just hope you help me feel better. That is where, which he does do that, by the way, but when that becomes how we view church or that's the habit that we are in, that's when we can lose focus. But if church is um, an extension of what I'm doing in my personal life, if my personal life is an extension of what I'm doing in church, if it's all flowing together, that's um, maybe more how I can stay on focus of God's heartbeat. You know, yeah, I think it ultimately rests on um, Andy Lynn. Or sorry, let me back up. Uh, Andy Lynn, uh, who uh, shout out to Andy Lynn. Uh, he's the man. Um, he's a youth pastor. Uh, well, youth pastor, director of Ground Zero for uh, for a while. Moving on to some dope things uh, coming say, up yeah, here. So uh, yeah. shout out to him. Exciting. Um, but he came and he shared. Whoa, speak of the devil text from what? Andy Lynn. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? So, um, he came and he shared with our youth group one one Wednesday um, about this exact thing that we're talking about, but he put it in words that I was like, that's, that's exactly what it is. He said, you can come to church and you can be a consumer or you can be a contributor. Period. And I was like, that, wow. That, yeah, yeah that's it. He yeah. was like, people who come to church to consume only focus on these things. But people who come to church to become a contributor can have the benefits of being a consumer in sorts that you receive from God, but you receive with the purpose to contribute that same thing you've received in the lives of others. And I was like, wow, that's that's it. I was like, dude, that was the that was I was like, that's it right there. And so he challenged our youth group. He's like, listen. You guys are in high school right now, and it's easy to come and come to youth group and be like, yeah, youth group is fun. You play a few games. He's like, but are you are if you're going to be content with being a consumer, then you're going to miss out on one of the greatest gifts that 
that God has ever given this world, and that's the church. And he's like, the church has the opportunity to not only be cons- uh, a place where people can consume the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, but it also equips you to go and contribute love and grace and mercy in the lives of others, you know? And so he brings it back to um, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and he says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea of being an extension of the kingdom of God in the lives of other people. You come here, you receive uh, from the kingdom of God to go forth and then distribute those same things, the king, uh, kingdom principles in the lives of other people. Man, I love that, like um, consumer versus contributor. And here's what I love that you said too. Like, I think when we say this in a church setting, um, it feels like I have to pick, oh, but like, yeah, again, maybe I'm in a window where I come to church, I receive from God. Like if you're telling me I have to be a contributor, I have to serve, I have to whatever, see my place in the body of Christ. Like, does that mean I have to give up what God has given me? And actually like what you said is, is no, like as a contributor, you actually are receiving the benefits of a consumer. You're, uh, you're allowing God to pour into you. Mm -hmm. So you're receiving all those benefits and now actually operating in his will. And I would say receiving more. I think that's part of how you grow is by serving, finding your place in the body of Christ, using your skills, talents, and abilities in the church. And that's how you'll continue to grow and experience God's peace and presence. There's kind of something special that happens when you're involved in ministry on any level and you're helping other people connect with God. There's this moment of like, I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's it's like a, a certain amount of blessing that comes that you can't have in any other way. When, Like when I'm teaching kids and uh, on a Sunday morning and I'm talking about something and a kid gives an answer and you're like, this is an answer that really jives with what we're talking about because he's having a moment of getting it. There's something that happens inside me that doesn't happen any other way. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like... I just participated in what God was doing in yeah. this kid's life, you know? So I think that's, that's part of like what we're talking about. Like when you come and you, and you're a contributor mm-hmm. and God uses us in a way that blesses someone else and we get to be a part of what he's doing in somebody else's life. Like it really does kind of like work in us in a way that stuff, other stuff doesn't. Yeah. And I think, I think that kind of, um, kind of answers a question I was going to ask in his fourth point, Pastor Jeff's fourth point. He says that the church is to be a people who demonstrate God's love and compassion for the world. And he uses the illustration that, you know, water becomes stagnant without an outflow. And when, so if we're not flowing, we're not moving, we're not growing, you become stagnant. And not only that, that means you can't refresh anybody if you're, you know, you're stagnant. And so I was going to ask, how do we prevent ourselves from becoming stagnant? But I also feel like we're touching on it right now, like yeah. by serving. But like if you only come as the consumer, I think eventually you receive God's benefits, but you've only taken your first step um, into the relationship God has for you and in his community, in the church, in his mission for your life. And so eventually you will become stagnant. If you now start to help other people on their journey, you find your place to serve in God's uh, kingdom now you're continuing to move you're continuing uh to have that outflow and so god can continue to pour into you yeah yeah you know like sometimes we think salvation is the whole gospel message and it's a big part of the gospel message but it's just the beginning Mm. of our relationship with god it's not the totality of it okay now that we're saved now that we're right before god now he has so much more for us to do and part of that is contributing towards others experiencing salvation contributing towards the health of the body contributing towards you know our brothers and sisters who may be hurting and in a way god's comforted us we can comfort others and um and and yeah i think if you're just stuck on that level of okay i'm saved i'm good now you know and that's the totality of my faith that does kind of plateau and get stagnant like you're talking about So I need to ask you guys, because Pastor Jeff said it in his sermon, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? What do you think? Well, I feel, so so here's the tough thing. The tough thing is for me, like, I am not really like a coffee connoisseur, so to speak, right? So I feel, I feel like a poser trying to answer this question. You know what I mean? Like, I'm learning, like, and I'm growing 
I mean, I'm. I mean, I, for some of you coffee purists out there, I I drink from the Keurig. You know what I mean? Like, and I I'm okay with it. There's people just turned off the podcast right there when I said that. They're like, <laughs> we're done. We're done here. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'm cool with it. But I'm learning. Uh, you know, um, to kind of like dive into coffees and like what that tastes like. If I had to choose right now, Starbucks kind of gives me what like I'm looking for in the experience of coffee. Um, Right. But I, 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 but I think I'm still kind of in like the sweet tooth of coffee. I haven't dove into. Bless you. Excuse me. I haven't dove into like the, the, you know, coffee just straight black. You know what I mean? No sugar, no cream. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten to that level. But I kind of want to because I feel like that's where, that's where the people who like like kind of know what they're talking about that's where they kind of live i i want to be introduced into that world and see if i can hang but i'm not quite there but if i had to choose one i probably want to choose starbucks i i would say even though if you wouldn't describe yourself as a coffee connoisseur your opinion still counts for two reasons one because it's like a movie there's the movie critic score so i guess you can do that but there's still an audience score and also if we only went by coffee connoisseurs opinions then we wouldn't be having the discussion. Oh, that's true. Because no, no, that's Duncan fair. wouldn't be in it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. Anyway, so, so well, <laughs> well and then so, <laughs> I was gonna say, at P- Pastor Jeff in second service though, he he entered another challenger into the ring. He did. He threw Wawa coffee in there too, and so you had some well Wawa people who were like 100% Wawa. I know. So everybody wants to be third. You ask a question one or two. Everybody wants to say three. I don't, sure, I don't well, understand. It's, it's like you know. Answer the question. I'm just saying. It's no. like you gotta you gotta. Risk, I feel like in the in at least in this particular sense, like Wawa is a competitor. Like in, <laughs> in the is. sense no. of like and jerseys, their coffee's, like, coffee's jersey, always fresh, which is <laughs> nice. In terms of jersey folk, Wawa, they're like, Yeah, you better bring Wawa. And it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want I wanna upset jersey people. I it's know. true, it's true. So two things that I contribute to this, which is not much to be honest with you. Uh, my first thing is my coffee taste is I like coffee to taste like I like my hot coffee to taste like coffee ice cream. <laughs> okay. So sweet and and really whatever. So I, I I'm not by any means any kind of coffee expert or whatever, and I wouldn't even pretend because I'll kind of drink whatever. Um. So that's my first thing. My second thing is then thinking about it is in my brain, and uh, because I'm not a, a big coffee drinker, I think of. Dunkin' Donuts is like the every every man's coffee. Mm, okay, <laughs> and I think okay. of Starbucks is a little bit more of like the snooty people. Go ahead, say. It. I was I was gonna <laughs> say coffee <laughs> coffee snob. <people. laughs> okay, right. So but, Dunkin' but I is don't the mean people. that. Listen, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying that like if you're pickier about your coffee, then you're gonna go to. I Starbucks. will say this. He's saying I, Dunkin' is the people's champ. It's, it's, <laughs> it was the people's champion. The 99. <laughs> everyday man. The everyday man. <laughs> no, but I, I I, will say this. I think, I would still think that that's true to a certain extent, but a lot of people now, they actually, like, they want to go next level because I think they view Starbucks as the corporate machine. So if you're really, like, coffee snobby, snooty, you don't go to Starbucks. You go to a local place. You go to a local roastery, which... I was talking to my former manager about this because I was like, I don't know, most of my coffee knowledge, at least a huge base of it, came from Starbucks. Like, Starbucks was the place to go and learn more about coffee. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? But a lot of people view it as the corporate machine. So people, again, they go to other places. But um, if you can't tell already where I stand, it's obviously (laughs) I'm a big Starbucks fan. No, it could have went somewhere else. I mean, you could have had a horrible time as a barista and said, you know what? Starbucks is trash. You could have, but you did not. You Here's what happened when I finished. I was like, I think I went like a week later to get a drink, and I was like, dude, no, I've, I've been here too long. I'm sick of this. And then I was like, man, have I ruined it for myself? Will I ever go back to Starbucks? And like a week after that, I was like, all right, I need to go back and get a mm. drink. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm good. I, so I could see the Starbucks. I could see the Starbucks lady like. Look where you where it brought you <laughs> back to me, <laughs> dude. Absolutely. Look where your folly saw. has brought you. But I worked there, dude. When you work there, you get a free pound of coffee every week, and I obviously didn't even go through that. And I knew I was like, this is gonna be bad because one day I won't work here, and then I'm gonna have to start buying this, and I'm gonna be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'm at now. They got oh, you yeah. hooked, Make man. Decisions. They got you hooked. Yeah, the first one's always free. Dude, I didn't pay. I didn't pay for 95 percent of the coffee I had for the last 
five years. Well, see, years. see now you now you hanging out with us regular folk. Welcome. It's so expensive. I will say though, if I'm going to do like a desserty kind of coffee, there's nothing that compares to Starbucks Frappuccino, the caramels. Mm. Yeah, okay. I will say. And when they had the salted caramel there for a little bit, mm. which is sometimes oh, yeah, they do during the holidays. Yeah, that was good actually. Yeah. Fun fact, guys, yeah. I'll help you out. Salted caramel frappuccinos available all year long. The only thing that they don't have is the salt that goes on top. Some people would say that's the best part, but if you don't miss the salt, you can get it today. <laughs> There you go. Wow. Okay. Pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip right there. All right. I'm for it. <laughs> Let's do it. Is it lunch? <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, we brought it up because Pastor Jeff brought it up this past Sunday in a sermon for We Value People. And he read the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Uh, great, great story. And he brought it up because he was using the illustration of, uh, you know, wh- whether, not trying to step on toes, but at Dunkin' Donuts, he's like, you put your order in and then they call your number. But at Starbucks, they usually ask for your name and then they'll call your name. And there's something special when somebody says your name. And we're actually starting a new series for the next month called Anonymous, how you're not just a number, you're a name. <clears throat> but anyway, the story of Zacchaeus, great story. And Pastor Jeff pointed out how it's a historical account Um and I always think that's something unique about our faith. It's not a fairy tale. Sometimes if maybe you know the nursery rhyme, like the Sunday school song about Zacchaeus, which Pastor Jeff referenced, you know, uh, you sometimes maybe you could think, oh, right, it's an a- anecdote, it's an allegory, it's a story with a lesson. But Pastor Jeff pointed out this is a historical account of a person named Zacchaeus. He talked about how he was a uh, chief tax collector, tax collectors. So in the Bible, when it talks about people that Jesus hung out with, he hung out with sinners, like so not religious people. They didn't live by religious systems or values. And tax collectors. They had their own designation of as awful people. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I was just wondering, but maybe we don't have to get there. But I was like, man, you know, it's easy. Again, in church world, we're like, yes, right. Jesus hung out with the marginalized. He hung out with, you know, people who were despised. Mm-hmm. You know, the religious people were against that. I'm like, I wonder who the... Yeah, who would that be today if Jesus was around? Like um, people that were like, wait, wait, Jesus. I don't think he would go there, though. I don't think that's where he would go. But I think whatever we feel, I think that's where he'd go. <laughs> that's what I. Well, I'm, we're the religious people in that sense. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think of what are the people today that like are the downtrodden people, like, wait. like, like not not necessarily downtrodden, but some of those people that. Like honestly, I'm I'm thinking like some of the heavy hitters here would be like our homosexuals. Do we view them as the people that Jesus never would have hung out with them, or like you know? Yeah, sometimes I think that like would Jesus go to yeah like a gay bar or something? Like we we would say, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know if I I think that would make some church people uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the feeling you get when you read the Bible. That's Jesus is hanging out with people that some of the people in the religious system felt like, oh, that's not where you go. Right. And so um, that just I just maybe for some context, maybe not trying to step on toes. No, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, so that's interesting. When I thought about it, I guess I thought about just like, who's like, because Zacchaeus was rolling in the dough. I'm like, who's rolling in the dough that people are not necessarily a fan of? Mm. And I, I, I immediately thought Amazon and I was like, whoop, well, that's a, I'm going to stop right there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, they made $3 billion, $0 in taxes. Okay, whatever. Anyway, but you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, I, that's my, that's the thought that I went to. I was like, who's making money hand over fist that people would look at and say, dude, <laughs> you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm a fan. You so know Jesus that? hanging out with some like straight up billionaires. Like I mean, and hanging out with other people who in church value system world is are, are living a different way. And I feel like he did that. He did it with both of them. Yeah, he Jesus, did it. That's who he hung. That's who he spent time with. Right? Yeah, you're, and you're jealous. He's hanging out with the billionaires, and you're disgusted that he's hanging out with the don, downtrodden. Yeah, and you're like, and then and in that your own self-righteousness is exposed. And then, so, and that's the uniqueness of Jesus, right? Like he can hang out with, you know, the billionaires, hang out with the downtrodden, hear you all of a sudden kick off your self-righteousness. And in those, in that moment, in that instant, can ask a question that would immediately put you on the spot. Like, and it wasn't even a question you asked out loud. It was a question you thought to yourself. You thought to yourself? In quiet space. And he'll be like, 
tell me. Like, and you're like, no, <laughs> what? How did you? I thought you were just talking to this billionaire. I thought you were just talking to this rejected person. He's like, no, nah, I'm talking to everybody. But let's start with you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. let's start with you and your self righteousness. And you're like, dang, Jesus. Out right. Here. He goes to a Pharisee's house and he's like, Simon, <laughs> let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For you real. You didn't wash my feet. Yeah, right? you he didn't just goes do right it because you didn't. This do girl it. comes in. Yeah. Yo, she did it. You didn't, homie. What's up with that? Like yeah. immediately. Like, like. It's true. But fun fact: Jesus went to spent lots of times in synagogues too. So then he'd come to you know your local church and come to your church, say what he wanted to say, yeah, and I'll then say whatever you know. But we follow him. Hey, right. he is our follower, our Lord and Savior. So sometimes I just appreciate the context. I would, bro. Yeah. I I think modern day society, Jesus would walk into somebody somebody's like worship service, and they'd be singing this song, like singing whatever song you know that they're <laughs> singing, and he'd be like. Now, are you singing about me or are you singing about yourself? Like, because I'm confused. The lyrics have gotten me a little confused here about what you're really singing about. Like, yeah. I really feel like so he would destroy some of people's, like, favorite worship songs. He'd be like, nah, that song's not about me at all. There's <laughs> a show. I watched it. Uh, I watched a preview for it on Netflix. I didn't watch the show. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Messiah. Did oh, you see yeah. it? I heard about it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I it. thought it was Jesus, but then they made it clear. They're like, no, no, this isn't trying to be a religious thing or at all or anything. But... I, at least the trailer I found intriguing because mm. that's what I think. Like, what if Jesus dropped in our society right mm. now today? Yeah. If you watch the trailer, at least I, sometimes I feel like it gives you a little bit of that picture. Mm. And again, I'm only saying that as so that's the context when we read these stories. Mm. It, a lot of times, again, in my case, I've grown up in church, so you read it. Yeah, Zacchaeus was a wee yeah, little man. It, right. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. And he went to yeah. he, he was a tax collector, and then he gave him his money. Like it's a cute story. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> it's cute, but it's not cute. That's and that's why they wrote it down. They're like yo, what Jesus did was like, that's crazy that he did that. Yeah, and you know, just talking about that makes me think, like, if Jesus walked into our service one day, would we be upset with him? <laughs> you know, being like, oh, can you, would we can kindly you ask believe him to what walk he out? was like, you know, when he came in here and, and like, you know, he's a visitor and he's raising his hands to worship. What's he do? You know, like, sometimes we get like, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Jesus is here? But I think sometimes if, like, Jesus walked in, we'd kind of be like, what's he doing here? <laughs> you yeah. know? yeah. So hey, again, all for context, and yeah. and I think, uh, yeah, it's it's important just to kind of talk like that. So yeah. uh, or think that, um, just have that in mind. So yeah, we so we value people, and that's the whole story of Zacchaeus is that really that Jesus saw more than just. Uh, I guess we are talking about the exterior right now. That as humans we can judge somebody. Oh, mm-hmm. you're a tax collector. Oh, you're the chief tax collector. Oh, you're a billionaire. You're wh- whatever the case. You, you're yeah. this. Well, then I don't want to hang out with you. Jesus is able to see past that, which is why he hangs out with people in all different walks of life, because he doesn't see the outside or the exterior. He sees the inside, and he sees who you can be. And so that's what he sees in Zacchaeus. Like um, Pastor Jeff pointed out, he didn't say, hey, you, the guy in the tree, I need to go to your house today. He goes, hey, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. There's something special uh, that God knows our names. We're not anonymous. And... um, you know, maybe, uh, you, you, yeah, maybe for, based off what we were just saying, that's what but this is what Pastor Jeff said. When it comes to the crowd's reaction in verse 7, they were, like, reacting, wow, he's staying in the house of a sinner. He's staying in the house of a tax collector. Um, but we can react this way, too. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Pastor Jeff said this. We can say, oh, yeah, God values people, so so do I. I value people. But he said, well, do we really? And he said, you know, sometimes maybe there's somebody who doesn't, believe what we believe we would call them an outsider we would say oh you're not one of us and so we don't value them the same way because they don't believe what we believe um but he said as grace has been extended to us we need to extend grace as well yeah i think that goes back to a little bit just the uh idea of like each person is created in the image of god um that each one of us bears um the fingerprint of our creator so whether or not uh, we share the same beliefs, um, same faith, you know, same, you know, creeds. There has to be a point where I recognize that you are still a product of the creator and deserve, you know, value, period. Yeah. Um, and I'm not so sure, um, whatever, I'll just say it. Uh, I don't, the church has not had the best history uh, in flexing that truth, you know, that we value people um no matter like who you are um i think as i was gonna say that's some of the uh, that's some of the tension i think that we find in today's culture where people 
don't feel comfortable coming to your your church or don't feel comfortable walking in the doors of your church because they're like uh, I'm more of an outsider like but if we could learn to value pe- or if we would learn the church uh, globally I'm not talking about you know specifically freehold but yeah if the global church could learn to posture ourselves in a position uh that allows people who feel who feel on the outside to feel like oh i can trust you and i feel welcome and i feel valued in your presence i think you would see a shift in you know people coming to church i mean that's what jesus did he hung out with these people and these people were like you know what yeah man you know what? i'm gonna i'm gonna follow this guy because he makes me feel like i belong um and so uh, i i don't know i just think that globally uh you know we could stand to maybe like posture ourselves a little bit more like the king do you think that sometimes it's a struggle for people number one because sometimes people come in um and we can't relate to their struggles or whatever but do you think also sometimes it's because we sometimes downplay our own sin no 100 percent. because of well I'm saved or I would never do that and my sin is a little more socially acceptable or right. or, or even what we were talking about earlier about holiness mm-hmm. right so I'm living a holy life which that's not makes me, me better that's not me anymore yeah. yeah we can think that way yeah but at the right and and what spiritual what you say spiritual amnesia is that what you said yeah. pastor Todd yeah. right you get to this place where you're like Man, I'm I'm so holy now, and God's like, hold up, bro, I found you here. Do you remember that? Like, yeah. you know, like this is where I found you, or did you forget? And I think sometimes we we do. I think sometimes people do. They forget. They're like, oh yeah, uh, and then, well, oof, hold on, let me, let me re- here we go. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Pastor okay. Jamal's adjusting his collar. So yeah, because I was, was like, because my literal, because you know what it was, my thought immediately was like. People sometimes posture themselves like they're like, oh, yes, this is the here's the Photoshop version of myself. Mm. And then they try to conceal the real like, bro, like, how dare you try to treat another person with contempt when you use your words to cut down your family behind closed doors? Like you're you're no better. Like you're no better. And you need to be what's the verse that talks about, you know, each person should, you know, look at themselves with a sober mindset like having an understanding that you are saved by the grace of god you know being sanctified by the grace of god and before you start to look at other people and condemn them for having a different sin than yours you need to be you need to sober up real quick and remember that jesus christ found you in your brokenness uh and brought you to where you are yeah and uh, like you said, being sanctified, which I think is a really important like phrase and mindset because, yes, God saved me and certain things he took away right away, certain things he's working on and certain things he is still working on. Yeah. And that's like I think sometimes if if you have like a mentality of like salvation is like the end game and then now I have salvation, so I'm good. But if you're thinking about how God, salvation is the beginning and there's this whole process afterwards of us becoming more and more like Jesus and then being um, maybe humble mm-hmm. <laughs> would be uh, like I don't like in saying, OK, I have been saved, but there's so much more that I need God to work in me then maybe it's easier to be graceful towards others that need some of God's work. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to thinking like, okay, I've I've crossed the threshold. I'm now saved and I am now yes. the believer. And that's all that needed to happen as opposed to like uh, God is doing an ongoing work in mm-hmm. me. Well, I think of that phrase, you know, that I'm a sinner saved by grace, right? And I think that's such a good mentality. Like I'm not any more special than anyone else on the planet. Mm. I'm a sinner. The Bible says everybody's a sinner. The only difference with me is I've experienced God's grace. And so I think that's important. Yeah. Matt Chandler, uh, pastor of, um, uh, the village church down in uh, Dallas, Texas. He has a saying that I use with the students all the time. He says, uh, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. So so when you come before the cross of Jesus Christ, we're all on the same level. I, it, and that's just it. It's period. It, there's no, you know, I'm just an, I'm just a, 
I'm a beggar who found bread telling other beggars where to find the bread. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. and that's simply it. So. And I think, you know, uh, we're talking about we value people. We have such a unique opportunity as the church, like you were kind of saying, Pastor Jamal. Yeah, I think as a society right now, not just the church, our whole culture reduces people to the exterior or you reduce mm-hmm. people to a vote. You voted for that person? Okay, so now I know everything I need to know about you. Mm. You're this. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I hate you. <laughs> like, <laughs> by, sub, like, sub note, but, I hate you. So we, we reduce people to a vote. We reduce people to a lifestyle mm-hmm. or to a label. We, our whole society does it. And so actually, that's what made Jesus so unique is he sees right past it mm-hmm. because he values people. Yeah. And so we have the opportunity as the church when somebody walks in Either we label them, or maybe they've even labeled labeled themselves. This is who I am. I just want you to know that about me. Yeah. We, as the church, have the opportunity to say, okay, well, I value people. Jesus sees past the labels that others have given you, or you've given yourself, mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, he he loves you. So, I think you know, it, yeah. yeah was, well, no, we've I think as a youth ministry, we've been blessed to have some people come through our doors, some students come through our doors, and immediately try to drop bombs on myself or our youth leaders in an attempt to see wh- how we would react yeah and when we didn't they were like oh like and we were just like yeah okay yeah great thank i'm glad you're here you know yeah. what i mean they're like wait i i can be here yeah yeah wait are you sure like yeah like it's yeah, yeah, grab some. Hey, grab some chips from the snack bar, man. You know, you right. know, like, you know, get some, get some sour patch and kick it because we're because we're at the end of the day, um, we're gonna preach about Jesus, you know, yeah. and um, and I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not gonna police. You know, I'm not gonna be the Holy Spirit here. I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life Absolutely. that I cannot do. And I think yeah. that that's the part that I don't know for me kind of keeps me humble. I'm like, all right, well, I'm. I, I don't have the power, right, yeah. to shape and fashion the hearts of men. I don't have that power. So why why even, like, fret and, like, stress and, like, go that route when I could easily just be like, hey, you know what? Let me introduce you to this guy. His name's Jesus. And, like, allow him to do the yeah. work that I can't do, you know? So. That's right. Yeah, because, again, we don't – you're not reduced to a set of actions or a set of circumstances or a set of labels when right. you come to church. And the church is not a museum to come and you're supposed to be a certain way and then we just look at each other and clap and go home. No, it's the place to come as you are and allow Jesus to do the work in you that he wants to do. So, um, I think that's great guys. I think it's kind of a great place to wrap up. That's what pastor Jeff said. The things that we learned from Zacchaeus' stories that Jesus met Zacchaeus with unconditional love and acceptance. That's what we're talking about. It's kind of what we're describing and that's what Jesus did. And that unconditional love has a transforming power. It's when we love and, and value people, we see past the exterior things that we want to place on people or, or they whatever, the, those things. When we see past that and have Jesus' unconditional love, it can transform people's lives. And so did you have any other thoughts, Pastor Todd, you were going to share? Yeah, you know, just some, like wrapping that up too, and this is just a, a continuation of what you just said is, I think when we understand how God's soul passed us to love us, you know, past mm-hmm. our outward stuff, past our messiness, past our confusion and our searching to love us, and we experience that, then I think it's easy to show others what we've experienced ourselves, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... um and so I think maybe sometimes we need to pray, God, like, help me to really experience your love in a way I haven't before so that I can do that for others. Yeah. And I think so. I just want to throw this out there, too, because like, I don't want it to make it seem as though like I have it all together because I do not like there are um, plenty of times where I forget the grace that God has afforded me and I treat p- people with contempt. And, um, you know, my wife will let me know really quick, like, uh, excuse you. Like, you know, like, and I'll be like, oh yeah, true. You know, like, uh, you know, I'll, you know, I might say something of like, I can't believe that this and this and this happened. And she'll be like, okay, well, are you like this perfect man who like, you know, she's like, oh, I did not know that I married this perfect man. Oh my gosh. Let me tell my friends I married the perfect man. And I'll be like, okay, I get it. You know, she's like, no, 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 please let me go. And I'm like, I get, no, I get it. 
I'm like, I get it. Relax, chill. But, you know, so there are times where I got to get checked real hard. Like, you know, and, you know, you know, be it from, you know, my wife, you know, who I believe walks very close with the Lord because sometimes she just say things. I'm like, dang, like where you get that from, you know, but. You know, hearing from God and God just being bringing that correction and being like, hey, you're you're out of bounds here. You're out of pocket. You know, um, don't tell me what to do with my grace. You know, don't tell me, you know, um, don't 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 speak for me in this particular sense. Like you need to humble yourself. So sometimes I got to get that check, that chin check real quick. You know, yeah. When you're talking about that, something popped into my head is like acknowledging how complicated we are as people can help with that. Like we're not, we're not as simple as a label. We're not as simple as sometimes even how we identify ourselves. People are messy and complicated, and that includes Christians and unbelievers all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to oversimplify, maybe trying to understand that there's more than what I just see. Yeah, you know, and I, I think of what you said a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Todd. <clears throat> that we're here to love God and love others. That's that's what it comes to. So if we have that perspective, that's going to keep us humble. It's going to remind us that I'm complicated. Other people are complicated. I can't reduce myself or other people. I'm yeah. not better than somebody. I'm not super holy, but also it reminds me I need to be holy. Like yeah. all that, love God and love others. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's wrap up this way as, um, you know, there's, uh, it's been a big weekend for news. I mean, you probably almost say that every weekend, but just when we all came in today before we were recording, just we're having conversation, a lot of big stuff that was happening. So, um, uh, maybe we could do this. Maybe each of us could pray for like a minute or so about a topic. If you guys are comfortable with that, is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, well, okay. Maybe not obviously, but if you've been keeping up with the news this past weekend, um, Kobe Bryant passed away in a mm-hmm. helicopter crash, him and his daughter and a few other people. And mm-hmm. we were talking about the impact of that. If Pastor Jamal, you can pray for that yeah. um, situation. I'm going to pray for you brought up actually that this morning there was the um, missiles on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pray for that. And Pastor Todd, if you can pray about the situation with the missing girl, mm-hmm. I believe she was found. Yeah. And yeah. They've, co- they've yeah. actually confirmed that it was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So par- parse. Yep. So we just want to, um, just being that that it was kind of like today we came in, like all of these things we're talking about it. We've just figured we'll lift it up, uh, before the Lord today. So, um, sure. I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Uh, heavenly father, we just come before you today and we ask God that you would comfort those who are, uh, in, in mourning today. God, as, uh, news reports come out about the things that took place, with uh, the people that were traveling with Kobe Bryant and those nine uh, people who are perished in just such a tragic way. Lord, we ask that you would be with their families right now, that you would uh, bring a peace and a comfort unlike anything they've they've ever experienced. And and Lord, I pray, God, that you would just come alongside them during this time and and walk with them uh, in the midst of this. And Lord, I just think about... um, Kobe Bryant's wife, who um, just 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 recently having a baby, and some of the things that can go on as a new mom and that space, Lord, I just pray that you would send her tremendous support during this time and uh, tremendous support for all of the victims' families, God, that they would uh, find comfort and solace, Lord, in you and uh, in in close families and friends who are able to be with them during this time. Pray in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for the parts, the Parse family today, Father, as um, they found the body of their daughter. And God, in one way, I'm sure it brings like a sense of of uh, relief to them, knowing that they have found her. But then, in another way, God, bringing a a whole new slew of emotions as as the reality of their daughter being gone has become so final. Father God, I just think of you as father who lost his son through just unimaginable circumstances and as a father suffering loss you understand this family right now these parents father god i ask that you would just pour out comfort i pray god that you would bring people alongside of them bring believers alongside of them that can maybe comfort them in a way father god that 
is just empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray that you would just in this time of mourning and, and mixed emotion that, that, Lord Jesus, you would be there in their midst. Father God, show grace and mercy and, and, and just be the rock that, Father, I know right now they need. In Jesus' name. And Lord God, we lift up our nation and our world to you right now. We're so thankful, Father, that we can come to you, God. You're the creator of the universe. Lord, you um, are powerful and you know all things. And God, you love us and you're with us. It's so amazing, God, such an amazing truth. And it's why we come to you about these issues. And so, Lord, um, we right now just pray for protection for our military all around the world and especially in Baghdad right now, God, that everybody there would be okay, Lord God, that they would recognize your divine protection over their life right now. And uh, God, we pray for unity in our world, Lord. I think about what we're even doing on Wednesdays, the book of Ezra, and God, how you moved on the hearts of, of kings that didn't know you, leaders of nations that didn't follow your ways, but God, they became sensitive to your spirit. Would you do that now, God, in the Middle East? That's not too big for you. Mm. And so... Lord, would you bring unity there, bring stabilization, let your spirit move, God, and we pray that your kingdom would continue to be built in the middle of all those things going on, Lord God, soldiers who are there, civilians who are there, people who are caught in the middle, God, that you can still move and take advantage and um, that your name would be lifted high, God. And so, and we ask for your peace and your presence. We're so thankful that we can come to you for all these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.